This is T. Earl Grey Hot, an unofficial Star Trek fan podcast from the Other Side Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 96 Mark 2 of T. Earl Grey Hot, an unofficial Star Trek fan podcast from the Other Side Podcast Network. My name is Yannick, I'm the French guy from Switzerland and joining me tonight for the second time in a row for the first time in 13 months is my good friend Dave. <laughs> good evening, Dave. Good evening. Wow. That uh give me a moment to com compute that. It's the yes. first time since like forever that we're together twice in a row. Two weeks in a row. Recording this. Yes. That that yes. is factually correct. It it is, Indeed. yes. I can confirm. Indeed. This. How are you? I am fine, thank you. Getting back into the uh, the the podcasting mojo. Um, we're still streaming on my Twitch channel because Twitch has been a pain in the backside uh, to set up tonight. So I should probably try and do the, all these setting things like, you know, earlier than 20 minutes before the show. That's what I'm going to, <laughs> to get yes, from, but from this experience. Firstly, that, that wouldn't be professional and it wouldn't be us. It, it would be professional, yes. It wouldn't be us at all. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yes, I got that. I even... Oh. Yeah, you get that. Oh, move, move on. Get no that. one noticed. Moving on. No moving, on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Moving um, on. On tonight's show, we are going to review Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 4, All Is Possible. Um, and uh, we are maybe going to have things to talk about. Uh, after i think that's a given for this episode definitely yes well definitely, definitely. Mm. There's a, there, are, there are things to tell to, to, to talk about after the review so without further ado and unless you have anything else to add nope we shall dive into our review of all is possible punch it so in the teaser um the teaser starts a week after the previous episode Negotiations for Niva to rejoin the Federation are taking place on the planet. Uh, while on the ship, Burnham has mandated downtime for the crew in order to ensure their psychological and emotional well-being. Stamet, though, keeps working, and Book, although feeling better, is uh, still grieving. It, this first sequence was all um, voiceover, um, and it was it was. A nice change with a slow start and I don't know I felt I felt it was a, a fresh uh, a fresh take on on the uh, what's what, how's, how is that called it's the beginning of the teaser so it's it's yeah the first first minutes of the episode yeah yeah absolutely I think the the the, the setup of it was was intended to be uplifting and motivational and very positive in its uh, in its delivery yes 
and not even whispered. <laughs> not even whispered. Well, the whole thing was a captain's log entry. Yeah, yeah, um, true. true. Uh, the th- I mean, the thing that I noticed about the the log entry is that, firstly, it was you know minutes long, which is unusual yeah. for a log entry. Yeah, but it it was a captain's log, not a personal log, and there was a lot of very uh, personal, possibly even sensitive information went into this because she mentioned about particular individuals who were struggling. Um, <clears throat> the, the downtime was actually mandated by Doctor Culber talking about book, talking about um, book's encounter with Tarina in the last episode. I don't think that was appropriate for a captain's log. That would have fit much better in her personal log. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't uh, realise it was a captain's log, but um, mm. yeah, you're right. Uh, she she names names. Uh, she, yeah, she names names. Yes. Uh yeah um yeah, yeah now that 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 you that you uh, say that uh, true it's true yeah but still uh, uh, it was it was uh, very nice um very nice introduction to the episode yes in Burnham's quarters Captain Saru tells her that because Vance has fallen ill President Redak wants ill no ill no no not ill. <laughs> Has fallen ill. Well, he might have fallen down the hill, and yeah, downhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, see that—that's what you get when you don't edit this podcast. That's what you're gonna get now, from now, <laughs> from now on, till the end of times. You're gonna have those those things. That's what you missed when we did edit this show, dear listeners. When, yeah, if you weren't watching the uh, the live stream, yes, yes, absolutely. yes. So because Vance has fallen ill, President Rilak wants the both of them to assume the Admiral's diplomatic duties or, to put it in another way, remain silent and look official, nothing more. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, right. Okay. okay. So. Let's start. Let, yeah, I, there's a lot to pick out from this one. So yeah. Vance was... Be- he had a, a, a stomach worm, a man, man, mal, malindian, malindian, something malindian, like that, yeah. something like that, yeah. a stomach worm. Okay, so he became ill with it. Now I don't know whether that's because he ate it or because something he ate was contaminated with it. But for a, a, a civilization that eats their own poop, I would have expect, I would have expected that um, any food that would have been probably produced through replicators and such like, would have taken out all bad material, viruses, bacteria, blah, blah, blah. So I'm actually calling BS on this whole Melindian stomach worm thing. It doesn't, it, it just sounds wrong. It, yes, it did sound, sound wrong when Saru said it like that. You know, when he said, uh, oh, he's fallen ill. And I was like, uh, there's something fishy here. Um, actually, if he had a bad sushi, maybe. <laughs> maybe, yes. <laughs> but he wasn't just ill. He was going to be ill for 24 hours. Now, exactly. that's very specific. Yes. In- indeed, it is. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it sounded weird. And I was like, mm. and then relax. Well, uh, Saru said that relax said, just be there. And you know, 
stay quiet. And that's, not, uh, that's not gonna that's not gonna happen like that. That's like putting someone in front of a big red button and saying, "Do not push the big red button." Didn't we talk about the red button last week? We did talk about the red button last week. We just won't have mentioned it. But out of out of everybody in Discovery or on Discovery, if you want two people to not get involved in politics or a common situation, or you do not send Saru or Burnham. No, because you know for a fact they're going to get involved. Now, n- not wanting to interject any spoilers into the whole situation, but assuming. Uh, but working on the basis that I've watched this for the first time. Nuh-uh. No, not buying it. That's going to happen. Nope. Not going to happen. Nope. No, no. Meanwhile, Tilly speaks with uh, Dr. Kilber. Uh, although her mission with the Quad Millet helped her a bit, she still feels lost. She sees uh, what she did so far as baby steps, but she thinks she now needs a bigger step outside of her comfort zone. Yeah, so apparently Rigillian Rutabagas are things that uh, you know you, you need to you need to try if you want to get out of your comfort zone. Although, well, can we yeah. really trust trust Tilly on on food now that we know she doesn't like mac and cheese? I I don't trust her with food at all now that she's told her she doesn't I like bet, mac and cheese because Rigillian Rutabagas are very good. They're not as good as macaroni cheese, surely. Can't. And there's, there's something drastically wrong with her taste buds if if she thinks that rye jelly and rutabagas are well, are anything really. Yeah. Uh, shall we take this opportunity to say hello to uh, Lainey in the chat? Ah. Hello. Welcome to the chat. Welcome to both. And a bot. Lovely. And a bot and a spammer. Hello, yeah, dark guide detail. Uh, Thank you for offering promotion of our channel. Yes. <laughs> well, I won't even bother. Uh, well, where were we? You say offering, uh, selling promotion yeah, of our offering channel. for a price, of course. Gilbert mm-hmm. suggests that Tilly goes back to Starfleet Academy to accompany a group of cadets in a team-building exercise. Dr. Kovic is conducting a study and he thinks Discovery's crew would have something special to offer. This, Colbert says, would count as Tilly's downtime. Before she goes, though, he mysteriously asks her to do him a favor. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Mm. Don't know what that is. That's, uh, that is quite mysterious. Yeah, and also the, um, the proposition to join Starfleet. I've, I thought, you know, we just we just had the scene where uh, Saru and Burnham were invited, quote-unquote, to the, the negotiation. And as we said, we both um, sensed that there was something weird here. I thought when I saw this scene that this was a setup, that this was something maybe Kilbert had, had um, yeah, uh, put, put in place with, um, with Kovic. Because it, it kind of felt, you know, it, it just arrived like that. Oh, by the way, you can go to Starfleet Academy if you want. Yeah, it, it's almost like, because he already knew um, 
that Tilly was struggling with her purpose, her, her raison d'etre. So he may have started to put feelers out at various parts around Starfleet to say, look, is there anything you can do here? Hopefully without you know, violating any confidences. So, yeah, I, I think you could be right that maybe Culber and Kovic... Go on, like recording, folks. Yeah, uh, no. That Culver and Kovic had had, um, had had come up with something in advance, and then that mysterious favor, you know, uh, when he said, "Yeah, can I?" Yeah, was like, what? And and I think it's that last part that made me think there was something something weird here because you know we don't know we're, we're going to realize soon. Spoiler alert. Uh, what in the next favorites. scene? Yes, <laughs> it's like yeah, in like the next scene. Yeah, but that that rose my suspicion. Talking about the next scene. Well, before you do, um, I've I've, I've actually wrote, uh, got a note here that I wrote Ooh. when I first wrote this review ten months ago. This is the first time that Doctor Kovic is actually mentioned and identified in dialogue. So we knew him as Dr. Kovic because we were told in the review, or the Memory Alpha reviews that we were using. It's the first time that he's actually mentioned by name in dialogue. Huh. Well, that's an interesting piece of trivia. I didn't, know, I didn't mm. notice that. No, oh, because so we, already, they... we always knew him. We've, we've known him as Kovic since season three. Yeah. But we've not, we've not known why, because he's never been... Called out as, as 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 Dr. Kovic. So there we go. Mm. There's a there's a first time for everything. In their quarters, unseen Adira Tal wonders why Tilly has ordered them on this mission. Gray points out that it would add new experiences for both them and the symbiote. While Adira will be away, Gray intends to intends to check out the crew games in the forward launch. Um I think it was called the 10 forward on, on the Enterprise. I don't know if this... Oh, yeah, on the Enterprise, yeah. I don't know what it is here, no. He's confident that he will make new friends. Adira admits they haven't done anything new without Grey there in some form, and he tells them it was their chance to learn. So, yeah, what what a better place than the Starfleet Academy to make new friends? It's supposed to be full of uh, young officers, so... Right. Yeah. Now, so, is it just me, or did Grace seem very happy that Adira was going away? Well, he was looking forward to playing games in the forward lounge, so maybe you know he was he was looking forward to the to, to his downtime. Maybe, but yeah, I mean, he's been like a spirit or some something for what a year. Yeah. Yeah. And then oh, yeah, all, all yeah, of a sudden, he, he all of a sudden he's there in the flesh and uh, new friends. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. yeah, we'll see how but, that goes. <laughs> yeah. Now this this appears to be an episode that seems to be concentrating mainly on officers with confidence issues, because um, actually I think there's a scene coming up in a bit with. Um, with another, well, actually, a non-officer. To be fair, um, relating to confidence issues, you've got Tilly who's dealing with confidence issues. You've got Adira who's dealing with confidence issues. Um, I mean, 
it's something that needs to be addressed. Absolutely, no question about it. But mm-hmm. curious as to, to, to whether that was actually the intention or whether it's just turned out that way. I don't know. But what what better choice uh, than to put them together? You know, so you right? Tilly and Adira both having confidence issues. They put them together. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to work. Well, we know we know Tilly is. Uh, 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 a nice, very nice person, uh, and Adira. They are also a very nice person. Mm. That just maybe that just being together. That that's going to, um, I don't know. Not I'm not going to say solve their confidence issues because you don't solve that in just being you know with someone for a half a day. But uh, yeah, they do seem to bounce off each other well, which is is kind of good. Now, actually, I've got in my head. That that wasn't always the case. Now I don't know whether I'm thinking in the past here or I'm thinking in the future that we've already gone through. Because they uh, they they clashed for a bit, didn't they? Is is that in our future yeah. or is that? I don't remember. All right. Well, we'll leave that one there for the time being. Yeah. Um, if anyone of our two list- viewers listeners <laughs> know the answer to that, feel free to chat. So, Tilly and Adira arrive at Starfleet Academy. Kovic welcomes them and immediately asks Adira to join her crewmates. So we've got, uh, well, although we don't know their name right now, but we've got Val Sasha, a human, uh, Haral, a, an Orion, and I'm going to mm, miss that name. Taz Gorev, I think, a Tellarite. That'll do. Kovic thanks Tilly for helping and reminds her that even though the cadets may be the best on their respective world, they are useless if they can't function as a group. This exercise, he tells Tilly, could very well be about the very future of Starfleet Academy, of Starfleet uh, itself. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. None whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, you've got Tilly with confidence issue and you tell her, all right, so your mission is critical to the survival of Starfleet. Now go. <laughs> right. But the, the, the Kovic saying that at the same time as the Federation itself is in its second infancy. And they're talking about the questions over the, the actual potential future of Starfleet. Obviously, well, to me, it seems as though Kovic is very much aware that there's still one heck of a lot of rebuilding to do yeah. within Starfleet, let alone the Federation. Mm-hmm. Kovic, he seemed to me like, like a very cold, very not very likable character up until this moment. And then suddenly he speaks with, with Tilly and he, he looked and sounded like, like Someone, I don't know. I think there was like a change in his, maybe not in his personality, but in the way I perceived him. I don't know if you if you had the same, the same view. He see, yeah, absolutely. He did seem a lot warmer in in this particular scene. I think in the interactions we've seen him, maybe not season so far, but maybe towards the end of last season, towards the, the where we are at the moment. That yeah, he does seem to be a little bit less uptight than than he yeah. was. Now, 
again, without trying to yield spoilers, there is a time when my opinion of him absolutely hits the floor. But for, he's always been very enigmatic, very difficult to read. Yeah. Because he shows no emotion. He's always very matter of fact. But here, just in this particular moment, we're like, maybe he is a bit soft and squidgy underneath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you put that exactly how how I I, I wanted to put it. <laughs> now, is it me or the cat? Uh, did the cadet uh, cadets look like they they didn't know what they were doing here and they didn't want to be here? It it seemed that way, definitely, and it it could just simply be that the the three of them this does not include Adira in this at the moment, but the three of them that were already there may not have known each other that well. I mean, particularly if, if the, the particular mission they were going on, they'd been picked at random. They could have been from different classes within the academy, so they may never have, have encountered yeah. each other before. Could but be. as we'll find out a bit later on, there is actually a an inherent tension, yeah. perhaps unintentional tension, between the three of them anyway. So it could be a, a, a preview of that. Yeah, probably. Anyway. We're still in the teaser, by the way. <laughs> About the shuttle, Tilly tries to break the ice. She explains the mission to the crew, a full planetary survey, yay, and asks them to introduce themselves. No one wants to start, so she does. Uh, she says uh, uh, facts about her, but uh, when she's done, still no, no one wants to speak. So, uh, so she then starts uh, handing out assignments. To address surprise, they get an assignment too. Um, they notice that they, they, they tell uh, Chili that they thought there'd be an ad or something, but Chili says that it would be best if they considered themselves as a cadet for this mission. That didn't seem to please Adira too much. <laughs> no, I. I don't disagree. Sorry, I don't agree with this approach. I think Tilly dropped the ball on this one. Um, whilst yeah. I am in full agreement that I think this is a, a great opportunity to help Adira grow as a person, I am very much of the opinion that Tilly should have shared what her intention was around Adira being there as part of the training mission, not as you know, first officer on the shuttle. Yeah. So that the, so that Adira would have known what to expect, but that exchange between the two of them, I really felt for Adira. You could see how stung they were by yeah. effectively having been batted into a corner with mm -hmm. the other cadets. Yeah, as if they'd been demoted. So I, yes, I totally get where she's coming from, uh, where they're coming yeah. from. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, where was I? Uh, yes. So just after handing uh, assignments, the shuttle is hit by a rogue gamma ray burst. Now I wonder if there are some non-rogue gamma ray bursts, or uh, I don't know. <laughs> why? Why was? Why did this one had to be a rogue one? I don't know. Maybe it's not like your regular gamma ray. You know, but this one does whatever it wants. I wonder if it's like um, a laser tag. I don't know whether you have yeah, that in... Yeah. So it, maybe yeah. it was a, a gamma ray tag. And I don't know, maybe some somebody tripped over while they were shooting someone's gamma ray backpack and it just 
went off into space and yeah. landed on whatever planet they're on at the moment. Forgotten. Yeah. Uh, get the name Theta the Helios. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Uh, Gervon, sorry. Yes. Well, that's the moon they were uh, they were supposed to go on, I think. Oh, no. They, they ended up somewhere else, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They yes. ended on another one. Yeah. Cock- so, primary and auxiliary systems mm. are not responding. Uh, engine fried and, and flight control too. Uh, except for the emergency emergency shields that get deployed automatically. Uh, for some reason, those still working. But then the shuttle is going down. It's time to uh, race for impact. Brace, brace, brace. <laughs> and and, and um, seeing the, the, the speed at which the shuttle is falling, that's going to be... <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a huge impact. I hope the uh, inertia dumpers are still working. Yeah. Yeah. Was going round and round and round and falling fast. I mean, the em- the impact was going to be, or was, or is good, whatever tense you need to use for this phrase, this sentence. Uh, it's going to be very hard impact. Yeah. Now, I remember thinking when I watched this, this ain't real, is it? No. I thought the same thing. Yeah. This has got to be some kind of training exercise. Well, you were not alone thinking that. Mm. Okay, so we've got comments in the chat. Uh, Lenny says, Adira's experience put them higher than a cadet. Yeah, and she's an insane. They're an insane, sorry. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, that, 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 it's, it's, they've been demoted uh, effectively. Yes. Lieutenant Cadet. Lieutenant Cadet. No seat belts, no airbag. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, you know, inertia dampeners, they still work even when everything else fails. But that's, that's I mean, there's not... only so much an inertial damper can do when you're hurtling towards a planet's surface at how many millions of kilometers uh, an hour. I think the dampener can... can... Um, Compensate for the fall. I mean, it's not the fall that's going to kill them. It's the impact. To some extent, yes. But again, not a, a direct smash. A direct smash, smash with a piece of rock. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, Act 1. <laughs> Let's move on. Tilly comes to about the crashed shuttle, which, by the way, was not that crashed, if you noticed. It was still pretty much intact. <laughs> Callum, the shuttle pilot, uh, a Starfleet officer, but uh, strangely enough, not with a red shirt, dies, his wounds being too important. Mm. Unable to contact Starfleet, Tilly opens the emergency shields. Uh, notice that those are still working, even though the shuttle crashed on the planet. They are not at all where they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be on a desert moon, and they are now on an icy moon, so <laughs> uh, not really the same thing. And not a class M moon uh, on top of that, but a class L, mm. which I think Adira describes as uh, breathable but environmentally hostile or something. Yeah, hazardous. Yeah, some something along those lines. Not 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 the place you want to be. So, uh, how can? Well, I don't know. It, we we should ask a 
an astronomer or something, someone who knows things about space, but can a planet have 12 moons, I think? That's what um, uh, one of the Unsen uh, said. Uh, well, according to this, Theta Helios had 46 moons, so 46. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Right, so can a planet have 46 moons? Mm. That's one heck of a um, gravital, gravitational pull, you know, when, when all those moons are orbiting around the planet. And then... Surprised to see any sky. Yeah. And then can could that have one class M desertic moon and one class L icy moon? I don't know. It seems... 47 seems like many. <laughs> Maybe That's a very good question. I've never never considered a moon to have a designated class before. Yeah. But having said that, we've we've reviewed episodes from different series different series in the past where people have been inhabiting moons. So, so yeah, why not? Well, so they still have some power. The console still work. Uh, emergency shields are still operational, but no, the engine, nope, it's dead. It's uh, it's gone to see its maker. <laughs> so whoever builds the shuttle should you know uh, reassess their priorities. On, it is an what should, shuttle. <laughs> the shuttle is dead. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what I was thinking about when I wrote this. Uh, <laughs> oh, we have we are being told in the chat that Jupiter, our good old Jupiter from mm. our own solar system, has eighteen moons. Wow. Well, we are but going no to consider ourselves that uh, we're aware of. We are going to. Consider ourselves enlightened. I didn't know that. Hmm. Thank mm. you. Harald thinks it was it it was yeah. I think it is all part of an exercise. What uh, that's what what you said, Dave. Uh, but Tilly tells him it's not. I have to say I was not convinced at this time that it was not uh, some kind of simulation or something. Mm. Tilly sets Gorev to work on the live support, Sasha to try and activate the flight systems, and Harald to work with her to bring up the long-range comms. Uh, Gorev bumps into Harald, and they almost start to fight. Uh, Tilly then asks them to introduce themselves again. Because, yeah. You know, that didn't work the first time. Well, she kind of lost her rag, didn't she? Said, right, now we are going to, to yeah. introduce ourselves. Like there wasn't yeah, a choice. She's... she's Starting to you know get things, uh, get get in charge of things, a little bit more than what she did earlier. Mm. Like a, a joke on, oh, what's that? A new life form? <laughs> yeah, no, that was not <laughs> funny, Tilly. That was not funny. Yeah, read the audience. <laughs> Sasha grew up on Titan, uh, learned to pilot when she was twelve years old, and had never met non-humans before the academy. So I guess yeah, it could be a shock when you. Because, I mean, obviously she knew there was other um, species in the galaxy because uh, I think by now every, everybody knows. But to meet uh, uh, a non-human for the first time, that, that must be a strange, uh, strange experience. Mm. Gorev mentions his family was trapped in Emerald Chain territory after the burn and Harald finishes saying that as an Orion, he felt he had to work twice as hard to be taken seriously. 
Which is uh, which is true. I mean, um, just by by being an Orion, whether or not he had passed the uh, tide uh, with with the uh, the chain, they're still you know the one the people from from the chain, right? Mouse cursor on my face on Twitch. Oh, cool! Fun. Yeah, that's that's. Re- I don't know why because I'm capturing. Things weirdly, I don't know. <laughs> hey, it's not, it's not too too much of a problem. So, can I ask you a question? Yes, you can. How do you think Timmy's doing right now? Not that great. She's not showing the confidence and the authority a mission leader should should show. She's. I think she's still in the. Uh, we're a bunch of friends, and I'm um, going. We're, we're, yeah, we're going on a on a school trip. Right. I'm kind of glad you touched on that because that was something that was going through my mind as well. But I, yeah, I I agree with you. She's she's definitely not in the right um, the right frame of um, frame of leadership at this moment in time. She's still thinking that she can resolve conflict and issues and any situation by effectively hugging it out yeah which you know is it, it, it doesn't work well but if you look at what she's been through in the last i don't know 30 minutes she's seen the death of a colleague they've crashed on a planet and her, her crew are all at each other's throats in the grand scheme of things, she may not actually be doing as bad as she thinks she is. No, she's not doing as bad as, uh, you know, she's, she's not doing bad at all. She's just not, I don't think she's showing what a mission leader, because she's not captain, she's, she's a mission leader, should 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 be, you know. It, uh, they are not your friends, they are not your mm. your. Uh, they're not people you're taking on a trip. They're here to help and do whatever you ask them to do. Right. But you must admit that given the circumstances of, of where they are and, and how they got there, there's there's no way they could have been anticipated oh, no. having being hit by a rogue gamma ray, crashed one of the crew die. So... If you take that out of the equation, being pally, hugging it out, may actually have worked. It may have worked really well. It may have been the right thing to do for the for the for the circumstance. But these aren't the circumstances you're looking no. for. <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed. She's yeah, but yeah. Let's not spoil the rest of the episode. But <laughs> she's going to do better. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Nivar's capital, Saru is pleased. Is pleasant. There you go. Saru is pleasantly surprised when one of Turina's aides places a traditional Kelpian tea bowl in front of him. And it was funny how um, Burnham looked at him and, and and Turina, and if those two thought they could keep a secret that uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. 
no, no, no. Everybody knows now. <laughs> yes. So you you saw you saw Saru look over at Tarina and nod, and Tarina looked back over and Saru and nod. What you failed to see was that huge, great spark that, that flew between <laughs> them. So, yes, very, yes. very and, obvious. And the the cheesy music and and the slow motion. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was nice. Just then, just then, Relak rises to speak, announcing that the Federation is ready to welcome Nivar back. Tirina then rises, and to Relax's surprise, she requests an amendment be added to the agreement, allowing Nivar an exit clause, immediate and unconditional withdrawal from the Federation, should the need arise. While the Federation accepts that they cannot force worlds to remain against their will, allowing unconditional withdrawal for Nivar is unacceptable. Tirina responds that perhaps they have moved too quickly in their stalks. Well, well, well. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. The cogs are turning at this point. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't see that going, I have to admit. No. No. But there again, it wouldn't have been that easy. That from a from a viewer's perspective, and dare I say from a reviewer's perspective, the fact that Saru and Burnham have been called down there the very senior member of, of Starfleet that had been uh, you know, debilita- debilitated by a mysterious bug that no one actually believes exists. And suddenly there's um, contention in the, in, in the, in the talks. Yeah, that's, that's not an accident. No. And that, at that moment, I thought, yeah, we were right uh, when we suspected. Well, I, I was right because I'm, I still not speak to myself saying we. Uh, maybe I should start doing that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but at the beginning of the episode, when when I thought that there was something fishy about uh, about Vance uh, not going to the meeting, uh, this this scene here, I thought, well, there you go. Now we're gonna see. We're gonna start to understand why Burnham and, and Saru are, are there. Yeah, maybe. Burnham then rises, noting it was illogical to forfeit all the work done so far over a single issue. Relak proposes a recess and Tarina agrees. Burnham is suspicious. The issues Niva raises have existed for more than a century. She suggests to Saru that he speaks to Tirina. Uh, to find out what was going on, Redak then asks to speak to Burnham. I think Sarah was, uh, how was he, he didn't protest <laughs> when, when Burnham said, Oh, you should go and talk to Tirina. I said, Oh, yeah, uh, yes. No. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Redak yes. asking Burnham to meet her in, in her office or something. It, it, it sounded like you know, Burnham was asked to the principal's office. You know, so, <laughs> oops, what did I do this time? Well, you 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 seem to. Forget, uh, uh, I would imagine you, you have a bit of a short memory here because if you recall back to the teaser, I believe the phrase "remain silent and look official, nothing more" was made. Yeah, 
So I I thought She's that spoken. she was going to basically take her to task over that. Yeah. Because I don't know whether you picked up on it. When um, Burnham said, and she uses this phrase a couple of times in the episode, actually, she said, if I may. That's all she said. If I may. If I may, yeah. And both Tarina and Rillac looked at each other first, then they looked at Burnham. Ah. And that I was, was like... A hint. Yeah. It was almost like a, yeah, okay, we're on. Here we go. Yeah, man. But, yeah, but I thought Rillac was going to was going to say something to Burnham then, you know, you're not here to talk, shut up, sit down. <laughs> yeah. Something like that, yeah. 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 So, regarding Sidbets, I think I saw Sidbets in one of the older Trek movies, says Alinham. I remember, I think uh. I recall Seatbelts in some of the early... Shuttlecraft, but I don't recall. Maybe. Oh no, there was something similar to seatbelts on the Excelsior. This would have been, um, oh crumbs. Which episode would this have been? When did they steal the Enterprise? Which film? This was, um, the search for Spock. Yeah, when they stole the Enterprise. So, and third? the Excelsior went to follow them, and they had these kind of chairs that locked in front of them with a barrier at the front. Nice, yeah. like you get on a, a roller coaster kind of thing. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So no seat beds on on this shuttle anyway. So. Yeah. Back about Discovery, Booker meets with Dr. Cudder. The doctor begins to explain the concept of a standing funeral, an uncommon earth custom, in which a deceased family member is embalmed and posed in a way that evoked their life. He then explains how he snapped his uncle's finger, trying to get the cards out of his hand. Uh, and also says that in conventional therapy, he was not supposed to share such personal details. But as crewmates... They knew a great deal about one another anyways. Kudba suggests using their remaining time for a different approach. But we didn't know what that approach was. Mm. Yeah, it made a very good point about um about the effectively the counselor sharing personal details about themselves. But actually I think that was a really good really good approach by Kulba because if you can bring a personal experience that can align or at least be recognized by somebody who is going through a particular grief at the time. It doesn't really matter if what he says is true or not. And I've got to say that story that Culber gave just seemed completely unbelievable to me. It may have been true. I don't know, but just to me, it just sounded really, really weird, but it's, it's the message. It's you're saying what you think that person needs to hear in order to help progress their therapy. And it helps establish a bond. Yeah, yeah. I think also, you know, we've we've said for a few few episodes now, maybe a few. I don't remember if if we said that at the end of of the previous season, but nobody's concerning Gilbert. He's there. It's a, it's a time of 
crisis. Everybody is, is, is stressed. Everybody is uh, under uh, you know uh, uh, a lot of of uh, of things, and he's there considering uh, everyone, but no one, nobody's considering him. Maybe just talking about that. Let's let's say that this story is true. Just talking with book, maybe that helps him also a little bit. Even though book is not a therapist, but it's, it, you know, sometimes you just you don't need a, ther a therapist. Sometimes you just need someone in front of you that listens or at least you know pretends to listen, um, and that uh, that that can help. Absolutely, I could not agree more. Um, Saru did hint at it in the last episode. Yes, about whether about whether Saru was was okay with his combined roles when they were talking about having one set of buttocks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want another context of that, go back and and watch last week's episode <laughs> because out of context, it sounds a little bit weird. I remember Kirk using them on one of the enterprises uh, a week. I don't, oh, but I, no, I don't. Maybe it's know, I've watched. Watch the I've watched again. all the all the um, all the, the the original series episodes now. It's not in the first movie because we re we reviewed and recorded and never published the review of that <laughs> movie. We like did a year ago, so I, I would remember that. So it's not in the first one. Well, not not a lot of that film actually took place on the Enterprise. True. Mm. Saru meets with Tirina, thanking her for the traditional tea. He is dismayed at how things have turned, uh, have turned out. Uh, both express uh, their desire to see Niva and the Federation rejoined, but Tirina is bound first and foremost by her obligations to her people. Tirina lives to spend the remainder of the recess in solitary meditation. Yeah. I think um, Saru is this here or is it later on when there's a a look of understanding on Saru's face? I think it's it's here, like he says, "Oh," and 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 then uh, she leaves. I think I think it's here. Yeah, I, mean, I think scene. I think this was it. Yes. Yeah. And so I was like, "Okay, so you you understood something." I didn't get it first i didn't uh, really understand uh, what it was but he the character understood something at this time this time sorry dear listeners that's your unedited <laughs> version <laughs> yes, at the same time we... burnham speaks to rilak burnham insists that there must be a way to compromise but rilak is adamant that compromise would be a sign of weakness with no other options it seems the federation was done on niva Rilak returns her heads and transport away. Now, when she said that, she was really insistent, like, you know, without, uh, well, what, 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 what did she, with no other options, like... Emphasis, she, yeah. Emphasis there. It seems we would be done. So, like, I'm not telling you to find an option, but find an option. <laughs> that is exactly what uh, she was trying to do. Yeah, uh, and, and from my, from where I was sat, it seemed pretty flipping obvious that that's exactly what uh, what she was trying to do. But then again, I think I was expecting this. Again, you know, 
we we don't yet fully know the reason why uh, Saru and, and Burnham were called down there. But I've got a flipping good idea. <laughs> and this Indeed. is it. Indeed. Yeah. Intervention. Burnham is then rejoined by Saru and expresses a belief that Rilak wants them to find a solution. Saru confirms he had a similar feeling from Tirina. Burnham is convinced that it was political theatre and that Vance's illness was a ruse. No! Really? I am sure. Never. Never. No. Mm. Nope. On Coquitos, the shuttle's life support is back up to 70%. Okay, I need to pause here. What does that mean, life support back to 70%? Does that mean that they have to breathe only 70% of, of capacity? <laughs> is that, uh, stop. <laughs> you, get, you get too big of a breath. I don't know what that means. I, I presume it means that the batteries are charged to 70%. It's like... Only having yeah. 70% of shields or um, 70% of, of phaser power. You know, it, it, they're, they're yeah. charging the systems up. Well, a phaser <laughs> at 70%, I can, I can understand that. You know, it's like it's, like, it's a, an energy beam and there's only 70% of the maximum beam capacity, mm. right? A shield, uh, it's something that stops energy. Maybe there are 30% of the energy going through yeah although yep. when a ship has like uh, shields at 20 percent that still you know stop everything so maybe you're right maybe that means well we've still got 20 percent of battery left and then uh when 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 we reach zero then uh we, we don't have a, a shield anymore maybe life support 70 percent why why would it bring that back to 70 percent did they lose 30% of the capacity in the crash? Maybe, maybe 30% of them have got to stand outside for a bit. Yeah, or maybe, yeah, maybe there are, you know, there are like 10 A4 batteries and three of them are dead. <laughs> Alan and said in the chat, maybe it's also related to the temperature, not just the air. Ah, maybe. Because that, I think it was Tilly mentioned something about uh, staying there and. Um, after that, oh, she mentioned yeah. about staying there and freezing, didn't she? But after, so that's that's not just yet. Oh, was it? Oh, my bad. Yeah. Uh, so what was it? Yeah. So life support back at seventy percent, but flight control fried. Uh, no one on comes, so they're basically they're alone and uh, sitting ducks with a very very cold duck. <laughs> Incredibly cold. Yes, frozen yes. duck. Adira points out that panicking would be uh, no help, nothing that uh, their past lives showed it could be worse. Yeah. Earning sarcastic thanks from Gorev. And I, I kind of agree with Gorev. I mean, thank you, Captain Obvious. Uh, <laughs> could be dead. <laughs> yeah. That would be worse, but... Uh, yes. Yeah. Sensors are back online. Yay! And they are detecting thousands of life forms right outside the shuttle. I would have been a little bit more worried than they were uh, if you, if someone had told me, "Oh, there are a thousand life forms around the, the the shuttle and they are converging on us." They didn't seem that worried. Uh, maybe uh, they knew something uh, about the, the structure seconds. of the shuttle. Yeah, yeah, 
they might have known something about the structure of the shuttle that we don't know about. That it could be, you know, six inch thick glass that are going to get through it or whatever. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But then the shuttle is shaken up and a creature pounds against the viewport. Dun, dun, dun. Whatever it is, Adira sums up, it's not good. Stop. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. enough with the Captain Obvious stuff. <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah. Do you think she's trying to lighten the atmosphere, lighten the, the mood a bit by these little um, instant quips? Because it ain't working. No. It's like, you know, oh, when the night comes, it's going to be dark. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Anyway, this is now Act 2. Adira identifies the life form as a Tuscadian pyrosome, a colony species made up of thousands of interconnected zoid life forms. So what is zoid life forms? Life form in form of a zoo? I don't know, but the link to Memory Alpha doesn't actually go anywhere, so I don't, I don't know the answer. Okay. So we'll take her, her word, their word for it, right? Uh, uh, thousands of interconnected zoid life forms, mostly preying on bioluminescent crustaceans, tracking them via electromagnetic signature. Right, so crustaceans on a frozen planet, there's something not computing here. <laughs> Well, they're bioluminescent, so they may generate a small amount of heat as well as light. So they keep themselves defrosted. Um, <laughs> yeah. So gl- glow-in-the-dark shellfish, basically. Well, okay. I'll bite. <laughs> Tilly tells the cadet to shut down their equipment as their EM signature is the same as the pyrosomes. Oh, that's bad luck. I mean, there's like one moon in the whole galaxy and they had to you know crash land on this one and they can't use their equipment yeah that's bad yeah as the shuttle goes dark the attack stops it's actually not going dark as in you know dark dark but um electromagnetically dark they stop everything that's when tilly says that they would freeze uh, yes you yeah, absolutely right, found yeah. them yeah <clears throat> Yeah, I just seen that. Tilly suggests to get out uh, of that valley up onto the near nearby ridge and use their personal communicators to reach the Armstrong, which is uh, supposed to pick them up in six days or something like that. Uh, s- six hours. Six. Uh, six hours. Yeah. Six, six hours. Yeah. Everyone complains, rags, or wants to split up, but Tilly firmly takes charge, telling them that whatever they do. They will do it together. God damn it. <laughs> well, she didn't say that like that, but that, that was that I was like, okay, so now she's getting closer to what a a mission leader should be, you know. She's keeping everyone together. Yeah, I, I think she's starting to recognize the fact that at the moment she is responsible for the f- four lives around her. Yeah. Um now, if, if you're try, if you're trying to to take yourself out of your own comfort zone, yeah, that'll do it. 
Yeah, I mean, as she said, well, later on in the episode, she's, she she says she listed everything that happened to her that day, and uh, I think it's uh, a good uh, sample of things that she was not used to. <laughs> yeah, but you know, being being put into this situation of things we've already mentioned that have happened so far while they've been down there, and now having to then go out and basically run for their lives. That's going to make or break a person. Yep. Uh, I can't predict it. So we'll see what, uh, what happens. I think, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. I think she's, she's getting the, the hang of, of mm. being the leader of this uh, small group. Yeah. My, my little note I wrote against this one was uh, go Tilly. Yeah, go Tilly. I think that's when she says "go team" at the end of uh, the speech. Go team, uh, and then, uh, and then she looks at the window, and uh, she doesn't look that uh, confident that they're they're gonna make it. But anyway, back on Discovery, Booker expresses frustration at an attempt to replicate the Quajun healing ritual. The problem is, is using a programmable matter and uh, not the the real Quajun forest. Um, Calbert concedes that it would never be the same as the real thing. And, uh, yeah. Uh, again, it's an obvious comment, but I'm not, I, I know programmable matter seems to be like, you know, these magic things, but if the forest had healing properties or something, that's probably not going to be replicated. Oh, no, absolutely. But again, if this is a, a form of, of therapy, then it's going to have some... It's, you'd think it would have some effect. Yeah. Yeah, just, just the, the placebo effect, maybe. Yeah, right. Yeah, that would do it. Hmm. Then he says, Queen Tilly rocks. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think we, we agree on that since the first time we saw Tilly. <laughs> Apart from the whole mac and cheese thing, you know. Yes. Still getting it. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. Ah. Booker is stunned between anguish and humorless laughter as he asks how long he was supposed to endure the pain. A long-ass time, Calbert admits. admits. How, many, how many days is that, by the way? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, a freaking <laughs> long number of days. <laughs> now, Yannick... I have to pause at this point and express mm -hmm. my displeasure um, oh. at you not attempting to read the name of the um, Quajon healing ritual. Yes, no, I, I removed that from, <laughs> from the review because I tried. And uh, I, no. Uh, and I, thought, I, I believe it is Quaithulum Quay. But if yeah, looking so. at it, looking at it, it's just like it's it's letters <laughs> in a random yeah. sequence. So I I did remove that from from my my review. I thought it, you know it was gonna go unnoticed, but uh, no, no, <laughs> not at all. Nice try. Thank you. Omnivar <laughs> Saru approaches Tirina in private. The DMA has awakened old and new fears alike. Some people, like the Vulcan purists, have responded with a turn towards isolation. Where, well, you know, towards being isolated. <laughs> so the word is isol. I, yeah, no, I, I just 
don't pronounce that. <laughs> How do you say that? Isolationism? Uh, yes. Yes, something like that. To continue, to continue getting their support for Nivar's coalition, Turina has had to present a logical framework to hold the Federation accountable and that the exit clause provided it. Let me know. There we go. We know why she, uh, she went with that. Um, again, it's political stuff. I mean, she needs of the support course, yeah. of the, uh, of the purists. So she had to do things. Um, we said, I think it's we said last week that we wouldn't want to be in. Whose shoes was that? Uh, Vance's shoes when he had to uh, let uh, um, Givini go. Givini, yes. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to be in either Relax or Turina's shoes uh, in this episode. No. No, no, no. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation because they're representing their um their relevant um councils and organizations. Um but they're being held to account by members of their own faction. Because I don't know whether you've noticed, whenever a decision is gonna be made, Tarina looks at um is it Provost something or other on her okay, right, yeah. Relax looking over at the dude with the beady eyes on her left waiting for some kind of affirmation or not for whatever's yeah. being decided. So, yeah, they may be acting as figureheads, but there's still a heck of a lot of responsibility on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Saru, Saru thanks Tirina for her trust and offers to leave her to her thoughts, but asks if, uh, in the future if he could have some instruction in Vulcan meditative techniques. Tirina then instructs him in the Threshtor Kashek or Shared Mind, which is a meditation technique taught to children. And, uh, Can I have some instruction in Vulcan meditative techniques? That, that's not the best chat up line <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. I've never tried that. I might, well, I might try that next time. I try it. Yeah, give it a go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it works. I don't know. I'll, I'll try it with the misses tonight. <laughs> uh, we have been given a definition of zoid, mm. an animal arising from another by budding or division, especially each of the individuals which make up a colonial organism, organisms, and typically have different forms and functions. Okay. So that it's not a word that they invented. Wow. Well, thank you. We will be. We will be. Um, we have been enlightened twice tonight. Indeed, but it does help answer a question that I had later on in the episode. Something yeah. happens, uh-huh. and that that is what happens. So that helps yes. answer something I didn't know from from later on in the episode. The Zoe division. Yes. Exactly that. Yes. About discovery, Burnham contacts President Trilak. She tells the president that Tirina is coming back to the table and the Federation needs a compromise. Burnham knows that both Trilak and Tirina cannot budge from their position. And I wrote budget. They cannot budget from their position. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, maybe they can't, you know? They have to no. Seal budget, they can't. Cannot budge but their budgets. No, they can't budge from their positions, but if a third party offered a compromise, they could just listen. Intrigue, Relag asks to hear Burnham's proposal. Now, I saw just the twinges of a smile from Relak. Yeah. So, Relak was, she's clearly, I'm, I'm convinced now, she set out to do something. Burnham and Saru are there for a, absolutely for a reason. And I think at that moment, when Burnham interjected and said, if a third party gets involved, Relak, oh, she smiled slightly, kept mostly a straight face, but inside she's going, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not as obvious as later on in the episode. And, uh, I will come back to that. But there's another point in the episode where that's, that's absolutely uh, uh, obvious that um, she was expecting something. <laughs> on Coquitos, the cadets head to the high ridge. The sky crackles with spider lightning, which could travel for kilometers. Behind and below them, the pyrosome emerges and splits its form in two before burrowing back down. The cadets are getting nervous and once again go at each other verbally. Tilly asserts command again, saying her only concern was getting them all out alive. Just then, a lightning strike right next to them causes the ice to melt and flash freeze around Adira's leg, trapping them in place. Ew. Ew. <coughs> By the way, worst, worst ICG, ice CG ever. <laughs> I don't know where they, you know, maybe they, they put the budget in the, uh, in the creature, but uh, mm. yeah, that uh, CG for the ice. Yeah, the, the effect good. wasn't great. No. Um, yeah, so that's the end of Act 2, which ends with Adira being trapped. But, uh, dun, dun, for Act dun. 3. Tilly uses the emergency kit to materialize a bandage roll, which, by the way, is very uh, very useful when you're, you don't have uh, your bandage near, nearby. You just materialize something. Materialize. But why... <laughs> I don't... Sometimes I don't understand uh, why they do things, but she has to take something that that looks like a gun, right? And then it, it does it like a, a ray or of energy or something. It's like if it's a, a portable um, replicator, uh, in a sense. Why is it not just you know you open the box and you've got the replicator there? Why? why I don't know. Maybe I, I guess it's just for show, but. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know, but it, yeah. If the this this is obviously a, a, some kind of digital electronic EM device, so you would have thought that the moment that this replication had taken place or this weird little ribbony rope thing was uh, was activated, that that would have woken up the pyrosome. But maybe medical not. medical equipment don't work on the same. EM signature. With the Maybe. Signature. Maybe. Or it might just simply be a plot hole. Maybe. <laughs> I, I'd rather think it's a... You know, it might be a security feature, like all equipment is working on the same EM signature, but not the safety equipment, because 
if you happen to crash land on a planet with a pyrosome, then you're safe. Right. Right. Why yeah, not? Yeah. What? Mm, same, sounds right. Sounds good. <laughs> so, Tilly materializes the bandage roll. She tosses one hand to Adira. And then working together, all the cadets manage to break Adira loose and bring them to safety. That took an awful long time because I, I thought, you know, once they pull on Adira, you see their feet being freed from the ice. But they still couldn't walk. Right. I think I, I picked up on this one as well, but I think what was happening, and I don't, I can't explain it, is that when their uh, feet became free, and I'll be honest, I thought their legs were going to break at one point. When they took a step forward, it's like they refroze into the ground. Uh-huh. So it was almost like trying to walk through treacle to get out of this patch of previously melted okay. ice. That that's all I can all I can can see from that. It it's weird. It doesn't really work, but it's it's a story. Yes, and again, same bad CGs. Mm. CGI. CG. Yeah, anyway. CG, CGI. Graphics, yeah. Box of crayons. <laughs> Tilly tries to encourage the cadets to continue to work together like they did to save Adira. Grave, however, believes it would be easier if they didn't have to rely on an Orion. However, when he learns that uh, Arrow's father was an activist who helped draft the armistice that was brought to the Federation by the chain, he and Sasha looked at uh, Arrow with more respect now. Mm. Tilly, pleased to see the cadets bounding at last, again on Fuzzy's heading to the ridge, and they are much more enthusiastic as they move out. We even see um, Gorev put his hand on, on Harald's back, like, hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a note of that. Ago, yeah. It was, it was really ago, nice. I was barking yeah. at you, but now you're my best buddy. Absolutely, and there's a great little um, little moral to take out of that particular uh, scene of accepting people at face value. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, uh, aside from the really poor special effects, as you've already pointed out, that scene was actually really, really nice because it did prove yeah. that if they if they forget about themselves for just a few minutes and concentrate on someone else, it forces them to think in a different way. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah, because as soon as they start, as they started um, thinking about Adira, then they were able to function as a, as a group. And yeah, which very I well as believe, a group, yeah. Which, is believe, which I believe is the whole point of this exercise. Yes. On Nivar, both sides reconvene. Saru and Burnham speak about how, in the past, Vulcans and Romulans, Kardashians and Bajorans, Scalpians and Baal, they didn't go well together. Yet, today, they are all, they all live in peace. Tuna commands Burnham for inspiring, inspiring words, but points out that words were not sufficient. Burnham proposes a committee, independent of Federation leadership, to conduct regular reviews with all member worlds. Burnham also volunteers herself to serve to serve on the proposed committee as she is a citizen of both Nivar and the Federation. After an initial hesitation, 
both agree. That's where I saw, you know, when, when Burnham said, you know, I propose a committee, an oversight committee, independent of the federation and so on. That's when really, like, really, like she had a, a, a sigh of relief on her face. Uh, like, she, yes, we did it. Well, she did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, exactly that. Exactly that. Um, right at the very end of that scene, Tarina said it is an elegant solution. Well, of course it flipping is because you orchestrated it. This is exactly what you were looking for. Yeah. Um, although I'm, I'm really reluctant to agree with the idea that what the world needs is yet another flipping committee. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but anyway. And the thing is, you know, uh, Burnham said the committee would be um, not linked to the Federation, but she's a Starfleet officer and Starfleet re- answers to the Federation. So, it's... right. But I think, yeah, I get I get what you're saying, but actually, there there's a there's a bigger problem here because not only is uh, Burnham, as she called it, a citizen of the Federation and also a citizen of Nivar. She's also a citizen of Starfleet. Yeah. And I mean, re- really, th- this is about this is about Nivar and the Federation, and she's in a very unique position where she is actually aligned to both. Now, what she said here. Um, I can't remember where the, where the exact wording was, but it would be very difficult to, to do something like this without, I suppose, equal representation or or full independence, whichever works. But if Burnham acts as the bridge between the two organisations that she is already completely committed to, her effectively her homeworld and her... The Federation, her other homeworld, then obviously she's going to want peace and 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 long yes. peace and long life to to both sides. So she is absolutely the best person to do it to act as that independent yet very dependent bridge between the two. It has its flaws, you know the the plot the plot line of of the whole purpose of putting her in there is inherently flawed. But it doesn't matter if Rilak and Tarina both agree to it and their delegation agreed to it, because we saw that. It is an elegant solution. It is. I agree. Completely unnecessary, but an elegant solution. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Back on Kokitos, the team reaches the top of the reach. The Armstrong will need 60 seconds before they could get a lock onto them, which would be long enough for the Parasome to reach them. Adira volunteers to turn on their comms and run, distracting the creature. Tilly knows Adira is right, but volunteers herself instead. Once Tilly is clear, Adira is called... I'm going to redo that. And you... Previously, that would have been taken out of the episode, but uh, no longer. (sighs) Once Tilly is clear, Adira is to call the Armstrong and not stop. uh, She assures them uh, all... She assures them all of her confidence in them and prepares herself. This sentence is a bit weird because I think I copied and pasted 
stuff from from everywhere. But you 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 understand what I mean, right? Yes. So I'm I completely disagree with um with Chidi's decision to run herself. I understand that she would rather do that herself than let Adira do it. But as the leader of the mission, as the captain of a starship or anything, she should not do that. It would be the hardest thing that she would have to do, but she's the leader of the team. If she goes, the team has no leader. Right. Well, they would. They would have Adira. Adira would be the de facto uh, commander of the group. Yeah, but... Which... Yeah. May may not be the best thing for the group, if I'm being brutally honest. But I, th- I mean, you're you're absolutely right. She, it, it, it was no, it wasn't wrong of her. It was not the best thing to do to to volunteer herself for that particular mission. But as a leader, I think she was maybe trying to put across the point that she cannot expect other people to do something that she is not prepared to do herself. But I think that was possibly True. the wrong demonstration to apply it to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly my point. I mean, we know that in the first series, Kirk was going around everywhere. But starting with next year, Precisely. Yep. That they, stopped. You know, we've been told, no, that we mm. no longer do things like that. The captain stays on the ship in case something wrong happens to the away team. And right. That's so the same, same here. Uh, Riker would go instead. That's kind of his job. Indeed. But I suppose they don't have that luxury. So is is Tilly trying to protect Adira? Is that yeah, the main motivation behind that decision? Of course. And also, I think she's, she's not completely yet a leader of, or, or uh, you know, uh, of, of a team. She's still in that... Uh, uh, let, let, let's go for a ride and, and uh, have my uh, my cadet buddies and and, and go for for this uh, for this mission. Uh, mm. But she's getting there. She, well, she would have gotten there if. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I don't want to spoil the end of the episode, but. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. just just look at what happened there, though. Tilly would never have volunteered herself for that previously. No. Something oh. has changed in Tilly in this during this mission. I see. I don't know. I don't know if she wouldn't have volunteered herself for friends. Right. Let me let me remind you of last episode. Okay. Yeah. So there was a couple of of instances where. Uh, she 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 displayed cowardice. Outright cowardice. And the the one that's come straight to mind is when when she was up on the the top ledge fixing the uh-huh. um the, yeah, the engine species. with the with the dilithium and she was left there as bait. And she was like I, I no, I, I don't want to be here. Blah blah, blah comfort zone, etc., etc. Et and then the moment Chivini appears, I choose to live. I choose to live. I choose to live. There's no, there was no. Um, oh, now I'm looking for a word. Apparently, there's a there's a name for not being able to think of a word that you need. 
but there was no there was no confidence. But you can't there was remember no, that name, right? <laughs> but I can't remember. I can't remember the name either. No. <laughs> but there was absolutely no confidence in there at all. It was purely self-preservation, nothing more. Yeah, but what you've got yeah. here is the ex- the exact opposite of that. She's displaying no self-preservation at all. Okay. She's showing survival, survival skills, and uh, sacrificial survival skills at the same time. This is this is not the Tilly that went aboard that shuttlecraft. Okay, I was going to ask Lainey, or you know, uh, what, what she thought about that. Lainey being our Tilly's expert, and Lainey says it's not the first time she's put herself forward. The episode where she was in the saloon with Saru and the cowboy, for example. Yes, I remember True. that episode. Yes, yeah, and that was. Uh, that was when they just yeah, arrived on um, in the 34th the century. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the episode where I started liking Jojo a little bit more. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, anyway, we're um, in Act 4 now. The last act of the episode. 4. Tilly steps back down in the valley, draws her phaser, and activates her combs. Within a few seconds, the pyrosome burst out of the ice behind her. Adira begins signaling, uh, but they see a, the pyrosome is too close to Tilly, and she instructs the other, oh, they instruct the others, uh, to draw their faces and try to draw the um, pyrosome's attention. Adira is relieved to hear the Armstrong respond and shoots down to Tilly that they had made contact. Adira and the cadets are transported out first. And Tilly, too, is transported to safety not a second too soon. Oof, that was squeaky. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, very that, close. That pyrosome was ugly. Mm. It was, it was, yeah, spidery, gianty, fiery. Yeah. Ugly. I wouldn't want to encounter that on a, on a fully sunny day, let alone a dark. Uh, no. Deserted, ice-bound moon. Indeed. The Armstrong returns uh, the crew to the Federation headquarters, where Tilly watches proudly while Adira and the other cadets happily talk with one another. Kovic approaches, having read the Armstrong report. He talks to uh, Tilly about um, uh, how they didn't trust them when they arrived in the 24th century, but how what they bring from their uh, period of time was exactly what um, those cadets and, and the, the staff lit, uh, needed. And so he offers Tilly a teaching position at Starfleet Academy. She was, Tilly was almost silent uh, during those things. I think she was, she didn't believe, she, she was, yeah, she, she didn't actually ever, uh, Believe what what um, Kovic was uh, offering her, and mm. you could see the 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 cogs turning in her head. Like, okay, teaching position, Starfleet Academy, something out of my comfort zone, new. Um, yeah, but it, it was very it was very interesting that Kovic should uh, should suggest that the idea of Tilly going to work as a teacher at the Starfleet Academy is likely to fall on unwilling ears. And I'm like, you are kidding. You've obviously not watched the rest of this episode. You don't know what she's capable of. No, 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 no. I think, I think it, was, it was a tease. It was bait. 
Oh, no, that's, I'm going that's to offer you a position. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Not that you'll want it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, no, no, you're I'm, just offering, but you won't take it, will you? <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, that's, that's definitely what she was going to do. I mean, if you look back to episode one, Kobayashi Maru episode, when the first scene we see in the episode was Burnham addressing the, um, the Starfleet Academy, and you had Tilly off to one side, you could see she felt comfortable there. So yeah. may, maybe we missed the sign right at the very beginning of the season that actually this maybe. is possibly where she was going to end up. Yeah, she said in the in that first episode, she said to, I don't remember who, but she said, those cadets, they seem to know where they belong and what they want to do. And that's when she yeah. started you know, questioning herself. Uh, but that was almost a sense of longing. Yeah. Jealousy, maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, just she just realized that she herself didn't really know what she wanted to do or if she wanted to be where she was. No, we 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 address we we did cover that off last week mm -hmm. to to a to a lesser extent. But yeah, as Kovic leaves, Adira walks up to Tilly and admits they were glad they came along. Much to their surprise, they had befriended the cadets. Tilly considers Adira one of the most brilliant people she had ever met. Looking at them and all they have been through, and all they have accomplished, was a reminder that everything is possible. Hence the title of the episode. Spoken as a true leader. Yes. Yes. So we have seen a journey of Tilly throughout the whole episode. Yeah. And she's now, she's now at a point where... This opportunity, because it's an opportunity for her, it really is. If, like you said, it if is. she wants uh, to come out of a comfort zone, go and do something you've not done before. Okay, yeah. I don't mean getting beat by a blob, but you know, <laughs> go and do something you've not done before. And we're now at the position where she's thinking, actually, I want to do this. I'm not just pushing myself because I'm trying to put myself out of my comfort zone. Maybe I have found a new comfort zone. Yes. Or at the very least, a new a challenge. New, or the real comfort zone, you know, maybe that, that yeah, she, she discovered what she wanted to do and where mm. she wanted to be. Yeah. yeah, all power to her. But as Lainey has quite, quite rightly said, no, Tilly, don't go. Uh, yeah. Take your macaroni cheese with you. I'll leave them here. I mean, I, I know. If you take them to, that's, that's a good. Yeah, point. if you take them to just this them, then you know, just that's a waste. Them. Yeah. <laughs> On Niva, Relag hands Tirina a folded Federation flag and welcomes Niva back into the Federation. Tirina then invites Saru to join her for tea. That was awkward. Really? <laughs> uh, you know, there's like half a dozen people here, but uh, yeah. <laughs> As they leave, Burnham asks if Admiral Vance had made a recovery from his quote-unquote illness. E. Relak agrees he did look better last time she, she saw him. She had received intelligence that morning about the exit clause and had to protect her source, Tirina herself. No! no. <laughs> wow. Wow. Burnham concedes that transparency was not always possible in Relak's position, but that it was what she needed to serve 
both the president and the federation. I, I, if I had been relaxed, I would say, okay, I'll be transparent, but stop whispering. Please, please stop <laughs> whispering. Because that whole scene, she was whispering. Yep. Ah, oh, chat. We've got things in the chat. I think this is the latest news on the Starfleet Academy TV series. Looking back to a mm, interview with uh, from May 2022, executive producer Alex Kuzman indicated that Section 31 won once or two shows in development. <gasps> yes. Yes, Alongside I did hear Academy series. that Section 31 spin-off is still in development. Although what mm. this other one is, I'm not entirely sure. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you for oh, the Oh, and the Starfleet Academy series. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Starfleet Academy, if they said that in the uh, 40-something century... Maybe Tilly will be in there. <laughs> yes. Ooh. They should name that Starfleet, uh, Star Trek Tilly. Star Trek Tilly, yes. Yeah, Star Trek Tilly. Season 1 through 26. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lenny says, this is why I love Tilly. She was so young and inexperienced at the start of season 1. And by this point in season 4, she was the complete opposite. And she grew so much over the three and a half seasons. I couldn't agree more. No, I agree. I'd love to see. I know, I, for the for the benefit of the tape, I I don't know what's going to happen to Tilly now. You know, if she does take this um this opportunity, what that's going to mean for her for the rest of the for the season, or even for the rest of the series. So, are we going to have the opportunity? I wonder to see how Tilly progresses on this, either from a Starfleet Academy perspective, or even from a Starfleet officer perspective. So I am hopeful that in the future we will see her again and we will see perhaps a completely new Tilly. The same cheeky, um, motor mouth, bubbly. bubbly kind of person that we all know and love. But I don't know, maybe, just maybe, she now likes macaroni cheese. I don't know. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Mr. Kutzman, if you're listening, please, <laughs> please, stop with the macaroni and cheese nonsense. <sighs> About Discovery, Booker continues to work with Kurbert. Uh, he sees he has a lot of work out, uh, to do uh, and asks what, uh, what, what should he do with uh, what he has uh, crafted. Kurbert replies that once the mandala is finished, he can just be wiped away. Booker asks if Kerber does this himself, if he, if he has things that need to be wiped away. Kerber replies he does, and we'll talk about it someday. He was very reluctant to, uh, you know, to confirm that he had things to wipe away. And, uh, it's a barrier. Yeah, it's he a can't barrier, cross yeah. that barrier. If he breaks that barrier between his role as counsellor and the therapy that he's giving, then it reverses the role. Yeah. And then from that point onwards, Book, in this case, can't now use Culber as his therapist. Sure. It, it's a, re it's a real shame. But we, we've said this before, Culber needs someone else to, to, yeah, to, yeah, help, yeah. to help him. 
And it cannot be anybody on that ship. Nobody else on that ship, apart from um, Stamets, but that's not quite the same. He needs somebody independent no. that's not on that ship, that's not you know, married to, to, to assist because, him. Yeah, maybe, maybe there are things he can't even tell Stamets. You know, Precisely. Could be, could be detrimental to his relationship. Mm. Maybe, maybe that guy that mops the, uh, the uh, exploded bodies we saw in season two or three, you know, when, when there was, uh, you know, I don't remember the, the, the exact uh, circumstance, but Jojo was sitting somewhere on the ship and there was, someone died at that, and she asks one guy to mop the floor. I, I, I don't remember exactly the thing. We, we would have to go back to that, and that's like two years ago. When we reviewed that, but I still remember that that there was that I don't guy remember that. that I don't remember job that was at all. To, to 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 fix the uh, the dead bodies. <laughs> what if they could program a dot to act as a as a uh, as a as a counselor for Culver? Could could Zara be? Oh, I was I was, I was coming I was coming to that. Yeah, potentially, potentially. Don't they have Chat GPT in the? In the future, <laughs> I hope not. Uh, anyway, meanwhile, Tilly sits alone in her quarters when Burnham stops stops in to check on her, having heard what happened on the mission. Burnham recognizes that Tilly wants to go back to the academy, and Tilly admits she does. She calls her promotion to lieutenant the worst day of her life. That, that surprised me. Really, I I didn't see that coming. The worst mm. day of her life. No, I didn't see it. She had, yeah, she had thought she was just doing it for herself. But when she got promoted, she wondered if a Starfleet career was really what she wanted, or if she just wanted to be seen by her mother now nine hundred years in the past. Perham tells Tilly, Tilly she would miss seeing her face every day, but Tilly reassures her that it was not forever. <laughs> Maybe she's going back. She's going back, <laughs> and that she would be at Federation headquarters anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I when when she she uh, tells the story of her mom that you know her mom had, had her life planned uh, for her, and so basically I think Tilly going to stuff it was like, uh, well screw you, I'm doing whatever I want and not whatever you want, like you know teenage rebellion or something. Yeah, but now, yeah, her mom is uh, is probably de dead. Uh, has been dead for eight hundred and. 50-something yeah, years, no. probably. Mm. And and she's she's got no one to, you know, um, impress. And so now she can start doing what she wants to do and not do something just to rebel against, uh, against her, her mom. But now she's proven herself yeah. by having had her promotion she can't now share it and say, actually, mum, I've, I've, I've done it. <clears throat> I've succeeded. Yeah. I'm, I'm progressing within, within this organization. And she can't be, she can't be proud. Nah. She can't so. be proud to, to her mum about it. And that is actually quite, but, uh, a, quite a shame. And I fact, it's actually the cause of, of everything that we've seen so far. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Now we have, now we know, we know why, because for the last four episodes, maybe the end of, of 
previous season, we didn't really know. And I think suddenly the the, the the first episode of the series, we don't really know why why Tilly was trying to, you know, trying new things and maybe looking for a another path. Uh, but now we know that, and it makes perfect sense. Because mm. yeah, it, it, she she's this was a the, in the first episode of the season when and she was when we first learned about her promotion. Mm-hmm. She, it, it's it's like it didn't fit, didn't fit her at all. I think that's changed now. Except, well, she's got the rank, but she's not going to be an officer on the starship. So she essentially, essentially switching career. Yes, that is true. But given that she has that rank, if she so much as set foot on Discovery, she would be a lieutenant on Discovery. True. So True. she would still hold that rank, and I'm pretty certain that everybody in there would do absolutely anything she told them to. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced of that. Uh, <laughs> but as she said in, at the beginning of the episode, uh, her, her, her plan was, you know, your career was uh, a straight line to the captain's chair. But now mm. that she doesn't have anyone to show off to, She's she just yeah meh okay been there done well that. see this is this is the funny thing because in the change of her career going into the academy rather than staying on a starship may actually get her to the captain's chair faster because it's not just about True. what you do it's about how you do it and the people you know and the people you impress. True. So she she could quite easily become a lieutenant commander. Sorry, US, a lieutenant commander in, you know, within this, within the next season. Mm-hmm. Because she's got it. She's got the drive. She's got the, the, the impetus to do it. True. I'm sure she could achieve absolutely anything. So, yeah, season six, season seven, Captain Tilly. Go, Captain Tilly. Go, Captain Tilly. As Tilly bids farewell to the crew, Adira is surprised to see Tilly's snow globe with the Enterprise NX-01 suspended within it, sitting in their quarters with the world All is Possible written on the base. They look out the window of their quarters at Tilly's shuttle, seeing her looking back before the shuttle jumps to warp. Mm-hmm. Uh, end of an era. End of uh, yeah, end of the episode. Mm. Um, it was uh, the episode started with you know the 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 music and the voiceover of of Burnham, and then it ends also with no no dialogue at all, just mm. images of T hugging everyone and and music uh, and uh, Adira finding the uh, snow globes. So. Yes. It was very powerful, actually. It was. Yeah. yeah. It was very emotional. And that wraps the uh, episode episode four of season four of Star Trek Discovery. All is possible. Mm. Uh, what did you think of all of the episodes? I, I got a pretty good idea of what you think, but... Uh, Absolutely hated it. That? Um, yeah. No, it, uh, no it, was, it was a beautiful episode. It really was. I didn't really care much for the um, Kai Kai the Ice Moon uh, storyline yeah. at all. 
I thought it was. Yeah, I'm going to say it. I thought it was a bit a bit fillerish, a bit bit of filler. Mm-hmm. Um, the the purpose of it was not lost on me though, and I did appreciate that this was a character development episode for Tilly to bring to bring Tilly forward to to put her in a situation that's going to improve her confidence, put her in situations where she wouldn't want to be. Kind of the the epitome of everything that she tried to achieve with going the long way to the bridge, sleeping on the other end of her bed and eating macaroni cheese, right? All of that kind of culminated in her nearly dying. Yeah. And yeah, if you want to put yourself in a not comfort zone position, you can't get much better than that, to be fair. Yeah, so yeah, true. from from that perspective, that progression of story and that build of character, the 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 new Tilly was absolutely and totally the highlight of the episode for me. No question whatsoever. Equaled by the Tarina Saru uh, story. You know. Yeah. I, 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 I am very, very closely watching this. Um, yeah. I, you know, this, this, has been, this has been threatened for quite some time now, uh, and it's really nice to see it. There's, there's so much respect there between the two of them. And it's it's respect plus, you know. There is clearly something there. There is definitely some kind of spark, some kind of mutual attraction there that neither of them want to admit. Yet they both clearly, plainly see it. Yeah, and so I'm not afraid to show it because I mean uh, it was not discreet at all. Not in the uh, slightest. Uh, not in the slightest. If you're going to make someone a drink from their native homeland and present it to them, you do it for everybody, not just yeah. one. Just and at, I, at a at a negotiation table for for what may be the biggest event for that entire species. Yes, but can I just remind you? This was to do with negotiations between Nivar and the Federation, yeah. not between Nivar and. Um, Kaminar, thank you. Or an individual within Kaminar, let's say. But no, I'm I'm loving that storyline. I really am. It's it's, yeah, it's really yeah. quite uh, quite gorgeous. Um, what else happened? Yeah, so the uh, the recovery of uh, the the recovery and therapy of of book. A bit disappointed they haven't really spent much more time on this because this is a really important part of the storyline. I know it's going to progress through the season, so we will see more of it. But it's almost like they—it was an afterthought for this particular episode. If if they were going to do that, I'd rather they didn't do anything at all and just yeah. concentrated on the remainder of the storyline that was there. But yeah, <clears throat> agree. Other other than that, it was nice to have a break from the from the DNA this time around because that yes. that's that's been getting really really intense. So it's nice to have a break on that. So absolutely loved it. The acting was brilliant. The the storyline as a whole, the the, the storylines as a whole were really good. So yeah, one of one of my one of my favourites of the um, of the series. Yeah, I liked it too. Uh, I thought the three storylines were maybe one too many. Uh, so the one on on the moon, the one on Nivar, and then the uh, book Kilber thing, um, I, and. Same as you, I would have dropped the um, 
the, the book part of, of the story. Mm. Uh, but other than that, you've said you've pretty much summed it up um, you know, perfectly. Yeah, a great story. I love that we got to understand why Chile um, wanted to move. You know, it's not just, uh, okay, we're going to take this character out. Oh, they're gone on vacation and they broke their leg and they won't be able to come back for, for the next for the end of the season or something. So there's there's a real reason why the character would would go and it's been it's not just it's not been done on, on one episode, it's been done on, on four episodes, so we had time to um to see it coming and, and wonder why and then we have the we have the answer. So that was great. Um I like the um the interaction between um, Burnham and Rilak. Yeah. This, 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 this is almost a I like you, I don't like you relationship. Like, they, I think they appreciate each other, yet they could, they could probably fight one another uh, in in a heartbeat on, on just another subject it's not it's not like they're friends they're not friends they know what the other is capable of uh and they respect each other but i don't think they're they're, they're ever going to be friends those two mm. um no maybe not if, if what, i don't know if what i said made any sense but yeah no uh, totally it did yes okay um and uh yeah um uh, the book thing, well, um, we'll see how that goes. Um, I noticed that when Booker, um, Colbert asked, asked uh, Booker, uh, um, or reminded him that he was not sleeping too much, Booker blamed, um, uh, what's the name of the cat? Uh, <laughs> grudge. Uh, grudge. And so we still don't know what grudge is. Yeah. You know? Maybe she's actually have problems, you know. Uh, we know she's a queen. A queen of what? We don't know yet, but uh, I don't know. It's just, just to put some oil on the, on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. right. Um, so I don't have anything to add. I don't know if you, uh, if you want to add something. Maybe you have a few trivia for us. I, no, I, d I don't have any trivia. Um I, I didn't the first time around when we reviewed this, and I haven't looked, so all right, nothing to mention. So there. I However, I, I would like to um, to offer a preemptive apology to all of our uh, listeners when it comes to the um, Saru and Tarina uh, interactions, the storyline, wherever it may go. I don't know. I do. I don't know. Um, I, I would like to apologize in advance if I do get a little bit unnecessary at times, but it, it, it's, it's how I roll. Yeah. All right. So I think it's time we end uh, this uh, review of Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 4, All is Possible. So thank you uh, uh, to all of you for listening to our show. You can help us spread the love for this podcast by taming a Tuskedian Pyrosome and sending it all over the universe to make people of other worlds aware about of our podcast. Or if you think that you can potentially turn into an intergalactic diplomatic disaster, you can simply share the address of our website on uh, the various social media, those who still exist and those who will maybe die in the next future. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do, do think about that one carefully. It's a, it's a difficult decision. And you can find our website at tlgreyhot.org where you'll find all of our show notes and you can leave a comment on the bottom of every single one of our episodes. Please do, by the way. We love hearing from you. Yeah. We are on Twitter, although we are not going to post anything anymore on that. We are on Facebook. We've never posted anything on that. Our username for both those uh, unused, unused services are t- is TGH Podcast. We are also on Telegram at t.me slash TEGH Podcast. We are also on Mastodon. We are at TEGH Podcast at 1701home.com. Nice. Uh, we also stream the recording of these episodes on Twitch. Uh, the link to which will be posted in our Telegram room as... Uh, Yannick mentioned a moment ago, because at the moment we're kind of uncertain where we're going to be go doing it from week to week. So yeah, yeah. Keep, keep an eye on Telegram uh, for that one. We were supposed to to send that on our uh, on, on the the podcast's Twitch channel, but I don't know. Twitch was a pain in the backside, and I didn't want me to stream on that. So then we fall back on on my own channel. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Thanks to Memory Alpha, as always, we have based our review of this week's episode on their wonderful work, and this is released under a Creative Commons by Attribution non-commercial license. And the rest of this show is released under a Creative Commons by Attribution share-alike license. It says here, see our website for details, but I've still not found the page that's got the details on it. Yeah, I think it's a thing to turn into a, you know, a, a meme or something. Yeah. <laughs> This podcast is part of the Other Side Podcast Network. Check out our website at otherside.network for all our shows and wonderful hosts. Indeedy so. Our next episode will be our review of The Examples, the fifth episode of Season 4 of Star Trek Discovery. And that brings us to the end of this episode of T-Hurray Thank you, Dave, for joining me. We're getting back into the groove, but yeah, it's getting better and better every week. <laughs> we also said, you know, we're going to record shorter episodes, like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Well, last week was a two hour recording, and I think this week is about two hours too. So, uh, this uh, one will thing be is, shorter than last week's. Yeah. Yes. But the good thing is, uh, we're still not editing anything. No. No, so, hopefully, we'll yeah. get, I'll be able to get this one out by, uh, by the end of this week. Be nice. 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 So, thank you, everyone. 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 Yes. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Because that's you know like very much everyone. It's too long. It's too long. So thank you. Compression, compression. Yes, compression. Mm. Thank you everyone for listening to our show. We will be back next week with a whole lot more Star Trek Discovery. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Ciao, ciao. See ya. been listening to a member of the other side podcast network find more about our shows at otherside.network <laughs>